From the Office of the City Auditor in Austin, Texas, this is Audit ATX. A podcast about the audits and investigations our office does to make Austin better for all residents. We're your hosts, Sarah and Max. Welcome everyone. Today on Audit ATX, we are speaking with fellow investigators Michael Yama and Tapi Alitu Adibo about a report our office published in April about a conflict of interest at the Aviation Department. During this investigation, we found that Jacqueline Yaft, the former Chief Executive Officer of the Aviation Department, violated a conflict of interest provisions of city code. Mike and Tapi, it's great to hear from the both of you again with another big investigation from the looks of it. Yeah, uh, glad to be here. Yeah, thanks for having us. All right. Can you please explain the responsibilities and mission of the City of Austin's Aviation Department and tell us what the subject of this investigation's role was at the Aviation Department? The Aviation Department for the City of Austin actually runs and operates the Austin Bergstrom International Airport. And Jacqueline Yaff's role in the Aviation Department was as their chief executive officer. So she was essentially responsible for overseeing all of the airport's day-to-day operations, which would include things from, you know, budgeting and finance matters to construction projects. And she actually began her tenure in June of 2019 out at the airport. And can you give us a quick breakdown with what exactly happened with this case? Yeah, so prior to Jacqueline Yaft coming to work for the city of Austin, the city was about to enter into a contract with a vendor that would provide consulting services to the airport. The decision to contract with the firm was made prior to Jacqueline Yaft coming to work for the city, but the firm was basically hired to provide subject matter expertise on airport development, planning, project management, and a whole host of things over a period of five years for about $10 million. And so if you look at the contract prior to her starting, it actually lists Yaft in there as one of the consultants with the hourly pay that she would be receiving. And so then in June 2019, after a period of recruitment, Yaft was named the new director of aviation. So at that point, when she started to work for the city in June and the contract with the vendor started, a conflict of interest basically existed. And as a quick reminder for our listeners, a conflict of interest in regards to city code is a situation in which a city employee or official participates in a decision that would affect the person or entity which they have a substantial interest. All that being said, the question for y'all, how did YAT violate the city of Austin's conflict of interest rules for city employees? The city code has a section under ethics where it details very specifically what constitutes a conflict of interest, whether it's an employer that you used to work for, and then you start working for the city and you might be interacting with them. In this case, the section that she violated had to do with prior business relationship that she had with a contractor. And just because you have a conflict of interest doesn't mean that you've suddenly violated city code. You have to act on that conflict. And so in this situation, we found that not only did she have a conflict of interest with a contractor that she used to work with right up until she started working for the city in June 2019, but that she also acted on it by basically approving invoices, meeting with them privately without any other staff member from aviation and things like that. And then additionally, there's also a second part to city code that requires that you disclose 
your conflict to your supervisor in writing. And the reason for that is so they can reassign you possibly to a different project so that they can remove you from any situation where there might be a perception of conflict or what you might be in a situation where you're forced to act on that conflict. And so those are the sections of code that she violated when she acted on conflict of interest. So when Yaf started working at the aviation department, she was specifically told by the city's law department that she needed to recuse herself from any decision making related to her former employer and that she also needed to file a disclosure form. Wouldn't the supervisor have been aware of Yaf's employment history by looking at her resume during the hiring process? Why are those additional steps of notifying her supervisor of the conflict in writing and specifically submitting a disclosure form necessary? The law department did give Yaft specific advice about her relationship with her former employer. That advice included her recusal from matters related to things like payment oversight and contract terms with this vendor. The instruction that Yaft got from the law department also stated that she needed to notify her supervisor in writing about this conflict of interest. Ultimately, that didn't happen. And the reason, I guess to your actual question here, was that Yaf's immediate supervisor was not present for much of the hiring process as they were themselves going through a hiring process to onboard with the city around the same time that Yaf got hired. All right. So the secondary employment disclosure forms act as an additional layer of controls that provide awareness about potential conflicts of interest. And as we can see in this case, it can be hard to guarantee that the person that's actually hiring an applicant will always be their supervisor once they're hired. And we know that Yaft used to work for a consulting firm that was selected as a contractor for the aviation department. And this all happened before she ever joined the city. But since becoming the chief executive officer, Yaft approved four invoices for the consulting firm, totaling about $550,000. From my understanding, this contract was already in the works before Yaft had any influence or oversight over the aviation department contracts. And she didn't overpay them and she didn't get a kickback. So why does the dollar amount matter here? Yeah, that's a great question. And I'm sure lots of people are probably asking that. But presumably because payment here, even though the overall contract amount of $10 million is set over five years, the payments are based on performance. There are deliverables that have to be completed in order for payments to be made. This isn't a subscription service where you pay $10 a month and you get Netflix. There is a total amount in all of that money needs to be spent and accounted for. We are public servants and we are also stewards of the taxpayers' dollars. So when I'm talking about deliverables, you know, these consultants were being paid hourly for their service. Their travel was also charged to the city. So in this case, there's a little more discretion basically in what gets approved. Take for example, if the consultant had decided to stay in a swanky hotel instead of just a regular government rate hotel, that all gets invoiced to the city, that all gets billed. And if they didn't provide adequate deliverables, Yaft would have been in the position to say, yes, these deliverables are adequate or not, and then approve payment based on that decision. So that's why it's important that we disclose our conflicts and any perception of a conflict that could happen in a situation where we are in a position of discretionary authority over a contractor or a company that we used to work for. Got it. And I think you kind of alluded to this in your last response, but could you explain the concept of the perception of impropriety and help us understand why it is so important for those in public positions of leadership to be conscious of? 
Yeah. So I think in the context of, you know, when we're speaking about conflicts of interest, when we talk about the perception of impropriety, what we're referring to is the idea that while a person's actions might not constitute them actually acting on a conflict, their actions could still give the appearance of impropriety, which essentially means, you know, while what you're doing might not technically be wrong, it doesn't look great. And as public servants, and particularly those in leadership positions, we have to do all that we can to maintain public trust in our roles. And that means avoiding actions that would, one, obviously be wrong, and two, possibly create that perception that we are acting outside of our roles as public servants. Awesome. Thank you for that, Mike. And taking a look at the subject response in the report, Yaf's lawyer stated that she did not follow the law department's advice because she was given contradictory instructions from another city executive. What are y'all's thoughts on this? And are there any ways the city could improve their processes and controls to stop these kinds of conflicts of interest from happening without solely relying on the behavior of an employee? So from the very beginning, she was hired. Staff had identified the potential conflict. We saw communications that suggested that Yaft needed to meet with the law department to get her instructions on how to navigate this conflict. So not only was that discussion in person, but the law department followed up with almost a grocery list of things that she should avoid. Now, if there was a concern about contradictory instructions, it would have been up to her to speak to whoever the city executives were that she was referring to, about what she's been asked not to do. Because at the end of the day, like Michael mentioned, this is why it was important to have that disclosure in writing so that the supervisor can reassign her. But not having that conversation with her supervisor probably did not allow for that opportunity. And regardless, whether it's a city executive or city official, they cannot override city code. That's why city code is there. When you look at how it's written, it says city official or city employees are prohibited from the whole list of standards that we're supposed to follow. So the law department did their job by providing guidance based on rules laid out in the city code, and it was up to her to follow those. Now, in terms of what the city can do to improve their processes to stop conflict of interest, there are training, and training is always key for our employees and their supervisor. You know, our investigators attend the supervisor training once a month where these topics are covered. Let them know that we exist. They can come to us. They can come to the ethics compliance team to ask questions if they have any doubts about things like that. And, you know, this is a resource available for everybody from entry-level staff all the way up to executives to make sure that they're following city policy and city code appropriately. There honestly isn't a substitute for human behavior other than providing the right ethical structure and support to answer these questions, but it's still up to that person to follow those rules. Yaft could have reassigned all her invoice approval to her CFO or her deputy or ensured that key project leaders were in meetings with her or copied them in emails for transparency. So there was a lot of other things that she didn't do to mitigate the conflict that she had with this contractor. That makes sense. Thank you so much for that explanation. Well, Michael, Toppy, thank you both for joining us today and explaining this case. Thanks for having us. Thanks for listening to this episode of Audit ATX. This report is available on our website at austintexas.gov slash auditor. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Austin Auditor. And subscribe on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. Until next time. Bye-bye.